Uh-oh. Yeah, I like that. This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Portland native Amine dropped his second full-length album this month. It's called Limbo. Here's the opening track, Burden. At 16, I was surviving off of noodle cups. This legal now, the dealers know the jig is up. When it's us, getting years, maybe 10 and up. Soccer moms do the same, but government don't give a f- you know Amine joins me now to talk about the record. Hello. Hi. So this first track on the record really stuck out to me. You know, you talk about how things are harder if your skin is darker. You talk about the legalization of pot, which is now used by soccer moms when, you know, black folks were getting jailed for marijuana. And then you have this line, keep my foot on the necks and never let up, which reminds me, you know, how George Floyd died. Man, I'd rather die before I give up. Keep my foot on their necks and never let up. Mark my words. Can you talk to me about when you wrote this track and what was on your mind when you wrote this track? Um, Honestly, I wrote this track about a year and a half ago. So the fact that it even relates to the times we live in now is kind of self-explanatory, right? Like this has been kind of going on for years so for me it wasn't ever it wasn't like me trying to speak to the times that we live in right now like everything that's been going on with george floyd etc but more so to just black lives in general so that that's always been a struggle growing especially growing up as a black kid in portland oregon like you know there just isn't a lot of us there so we never felt like we were welcomed in with open arms or, or um, felt comfortable walking around my own city, which which I love dearly to my heart. Yeah. You know, you live in California now, you know, and I think about Portland, I think about, you know, how the protests over black lives really blew up recently, you know, and you think about Portland like a majority white city, you know, some say it's the whitest, you know, large city in America. And then also you think about just like Oregon in general, like when it was a territory, like there were laws on the books that banned black folks from living there or owning land or businesses, you know, like this like deep seated, you know, like to to like the big founding day. Of, of Oregon yeah. um, and, and you know when you're saying like just not feeling welcome there like how so like how did you not feel welcome in that city and I know you know there's there's so much to that and there's so much background but can you talk a little bit more about how you didn't feel welcome in Portland um, it was just you know racial tension that you saw growing up you know um, if I was hanging out with white friends in Portland Oregon I would get stares or if I was I've been called the N-word by white people in Oregon before, even in middle school. You know what I mean? Like this, like Oregon's racism, um, it's weird because Oregon is seen as like a liberal state, you know what I mean? But it's like very backdoor racism, you know? Black people don't get hired as much. We get moved out, gentrification. There's just so much that goes on in that city that um, paints kind of Portland as this quirky, funny, like, pretty city but really it's kind of dark i remember a few years ago hearing about a report that actually came out in 2014 that investigated this issue around folks in the hip-hop community in portland feeling like there was this increased policing around hip-hop venues like you know fire marshals showing up and saying like oh this isn't up to code or just like the police like swinging by venues and and like the hip-hop community being like why is there increased policing around our venues and our shows did you feel any of that when you were you know performing in Portland? Yeah, I felt it a lot. I mean, I personally didn't get the shows I wanted to perform at. They wouldn't even book me as an upcoming artist because hip hop 
just wasn't appreciated in that city. You know what I mean? So I, I really um, like dependent on the internet because I couldn't perform in my own city. They were only letting like indie or rock bands perform and hip hop was seen as like a negative thing. Or if they did book you, they would sabotage it with fire marshals or cops just showing up early or shutting something down. It was 2014. I remember there was such a huge spike of like hip hop shows in Portland shutting, getting shut down. So that to me, it's self-explanatory. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but you still seem to have love for Portland. Like you mentioned, like I, I love yeah, that city, but you know, I have yeah. to have love, you know what I mean? It isn't, I, I don't want people to think I hate my city, but I hate it at the same I have the right to hate my city and love it. You know what I mean? It's a place where I was born. It's where I grew up, but it also, it, it never fueled me as, as a person of color. It never, it never like increased or, or helped me. You know what I mean? If it wasn't for music, I would probably be broke in Portland, Oregon and, and trying to find a job. And I probably wouldn't get hired like usual, unless I worked at Nike. That's the only time they ever hire black people in Portland. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I was looking at, you know, your recent video for your song shimmy, you know, which is like you, you, while you live in California now, like that whole video was shot in Portland with like these iconic landmarks, you know, even though you've left Portland, why was it important to you to still kind of give a nod to your hometown in that video specifically? Oh, because I I, ha- I haven't really left Portland, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm there like almost every month or, or at least with my family. So for me, it's my hometown, you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm going to rep. I'm never, like living in LA doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm just here for work, you know what I mean? I'm here for features, producers, the, the music industry is thriving here in Los Angeles. So when I'm here, it's strictly for work. And when I'm in Portland, I'm strictly there to be home. Yeah. There's a track on this record called Becky, which seems to be at a, about a relationship with a white woman. You know, and in the song, you mentioned, you know, how your mother never wanted you to bring a white girl home. And you talk about the way people would react to you or the relationship. And your friends kiss their purse, lock their doors when I'm around. And we both know what I sound. And your parents, your parents. about this song um, and the story behind it. Yeah, I mean, I think the story has a misconception when as soon as you hear those words or see, especially the title of the song, because Becky is like the common phrase for your problematic white girl, you know what I mean? And for me, I titled it that because that's what it felt like growing up in Portland at, in middle school, especially in middle school when I was kind of naive and didn't really see race as a thing. I was a child, you know, so when I was, when I liked the white girl, I would, I didn't think it was wrong. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't think anything of it. It was just the song Becky is really just like my experience growing up in Portland with dealing with trying to date a white woman. It was, it, it was just funny to put that in a song to me because it had never been explained. I mean, the, the, the problems that a black man kind of deals with growing up in a city that judges his relationships or his um, beliefs or anything is a, is a struggle in itself. So I just wanted to kind of put that in the song, you know? I, I think it was 
a very nostalgic song for me as well. Growing up in Portland, it just brought me back to growing up there and trying to figure out, you know, liking a girl for the first time as a child. So you also wrote about your mom on this record. Um, you know, your parents are Ethiopian and Eritrean immigrants. And in this song, you talk about how your mom worked the graveyard shift at the post office. 20 plus years at the post office. You was working graveyard shifts for the both of us. You deserve a long vacation, a standing ovation. Shout out Miss McCullough for the genius notation. Can you describe who your mom is and, and, and how she impacted you just as a human? Uh, yeah, my mom impacted me insane. I mean, she's my biggest kind of supporter and um, inspiration. I, I feel like she was the one who kind of like put music in me. She would buy me see my favorite albums and put me on the CDs every Christmas. She would fill up my uh, stocking with like just CDs. And that kind of built the person I am today and my music taste and everything I um, kind of am. So my mom is 99.9% of me and that 0.1% is just me, you know, being me, I guess. So my mom really helped me like grow grow up into a real man, I guess. I'ma take you to the Grammys in a yellow suit. Put you in Chanel just to show them how my mama do. My number one fan, I'm your number one man. When I thought that I couldn't, you told me that I can. Mama, uh-huh, mama. Yeah, I'm singing mama. Yeah, that's my mama. Uh, I said, mama. KEXP's tagline is Where the Music Matters. And I'm curious for you, why do you think music matters? And this could be just for you personally or for society. Um, I think music really matters to me because it carries this kind of like bond and in relationships that keep people together. Really, it, it can it can when you play that one song at the wedding and everyone stands up and and dances or when you're sharing a headphone next to your best friend on a bus ride music music is like the the soundtrack to your life you know what i mean a lot of, i i if i had to make a soundtrack to my life i could pick my favorite songs ever and music just to me just i don't know defines who we are as people and helps us kind of carry relationships for years to come whether that's music that you hand down to your kids or show your kids or music that you carry with you and your friends. Um, I think that's why music matters. Beautifully said. Uh, so I want to go out on a song, but I want you to choose the song we go out on, um, a song that you really love on this record or really love the backstory of the song. Um, I think one of my favorite songs is Woodlawn on Limbo. Um, that to me is one of my favorite songs just because um, it's a very, very energetic, like super fun beat and song. But the title Woodlawn in, in the neighborhood I'm talking about in that song has a way, way deeper meaning behind it. It's a black neighborhood that I grew up in that um, is now super gentrified and just like um, torn apart. And a lot of people kind of carry the, the Woodlawn Park with them um, and from Portland, especially if you're black and grew up there, because it meant a lot. It was where we grew up, where we hung out, where we used to play basketball, where we had our first fight, um, etc. So it. To me, that song has a way deeper meaning.
I've been speaking with Amine. His latest full-length album, Limbo, was released earlier this month. Amine, thank you so much for talking today. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Came a long way from that Woodlawn Park. Now young Amine push and push to start. Missy Yellow Man got himself a little jam in my fetty in Japan because I do this for Mark. Playing in my sh- through the phone. He tell me keep my foot up on the next for the throne. You ain't really on. Tell all your nigga on. I tell him keep his head up and he set up when he on. Look, R.P. Kobe. R.P. Kobe. You was like a dad to a so I'm sad my had to get you tatted on me. I keep the that I trust by my side. Cause everybody want a piece of the pie. There's a Buffy the body in every city and Sabi Tabi the hobby. So baby, get in a ride. That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you have the means, please consider giving a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks so much for listening.